0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Beanbag Cafe podcast. My name is Julie Fernandez. I'm an occupational therapist, a hand therapist, a life coach, and mom of three little ones. And today we're talking about a topic very close to my heart and probably close to yours too, and that is getting your children to sleep. Holy moly. Uh, I think when we become parents, we kind of think the sleeping thing has an expiration date. In other words, the difficulties with sleeping will stop. At a certain age, and I think that's how our culture is kind of set up. Like, oh, you return to work at three months, that means your child's sleeping by 12 weeks old, or your maternity leave finishes at six six months. So your kid's sleeping through the night, right? Uh, wrong, not in my experience, at least. So, if this is something that you are interested in and you think would help someone else, please make sure you share this episode, subscribe to the podcast, leave a review in iTunes. I would be so grateful. And let's jump into this, okay. So my husband and I have this ongoing debate about sleep after three kids now, and he thinks that children pop out sleeping, they either, well, pop out, not sleeping, they either pop out sleeping as good sleepers, quote unquote, or as bad sleepers, quote unquote. He also thinks that my memory for how my, how well our children sleep is very uh, muddled, uh, but I'll let him discuss that at some point. If I can get him to come on the podcast, that would be really fun for me. Uh, and I think it would be good to have a different perspective. So for me, I, you know, as the parent, you want to think, or you like to think that you can do something about the sleeping, like you can create a optimal sleeping environment to make your child a good sleeper. Uh, And there are certainly many courses and books and podcasts and social media posts and everything, internet, YouTube videos, you name it, advice, old wives tales, all that stuff, uh, Indicating that that is the case, that we have some kind of influence over how our children sleep. Uh, my husband doesn't think so. I think it's somewhere in the middle. You know, I think uh, there are certain things often that are hard for us to control that actually might help your child sleep better or not. So, for example, I think there are some genetic components that play into sleep. Uh, just anecdotally hundred percent I have not done scientific evidence based experiments, but often uh it travels in families you know if uh, you have parents that are deep sleepers uh you you'll get maybe one of the children will be like that, whether that's because um the parents are like that or it's just a lucky packet you know who knows um the other thing that I think uh is at least indicative for me is there's certain things like how do I even explain this? Like your, I almost want to say the vibe that you're putting out as a mom that I think might influence how babies sleep, like how anxious they feel, how like highly stimulated they feel. Is mom very anxious? Is she not feeling very confident about this whole baby thing? Um, I definitely feel a difference between baby number one and baby number three, and definitely number three seems to be knock on wood, our best sleeper out of the three. Um, but again, you know, like I don't want to put labels on that because she has been teething this past week and basically woken me up every two to three hours, uh, you know, like clockwork. She'll wake up at 10, she'll wake up at one, she'll wake up at three, she'll wake up at six, you know, because her teeth are bothering her. And my husband is not convinced that it's teething. I think he has so much PTSD. He thinks now, you know, it's it's over, like the good sleeping, the quote unquote sleeping has is over, even though I'm the one that's getting up with her. Okay, let's be clear. So I think there's the vibes that you emit. And then I think there are certain things that babies are born with that can assist or not born with, that can assist with sleeping. So a baby that is a reflux baby, a colicky baby, I would not expect that's going to be a great sleeper in the beginning. I'm sure that'll change over time as they mature. But if they're having issues with their digestion, if they're having like silent reflux that you don't know about, we don't know, they could be uncomfortable. I mean, this is so so out there, but Sometimes babies get the mom's hair falls out and gets twisted around their little toes. And you might not even notice that could be bothering them. I mean, and you should definitely check your baby's toes. Uh, it's a real thing. Uh, you know, you just don't know, like maybe the fabric that they're wearing, maybe they're too hot there's just so many things that could influence whether a child is comfortable and whether that's their true nature to sleep or not. Uh, perhaps like with me, our first child, we tried to keep everything quiet. We made everything dark. Um, we tried all the things to get him to sleep. We, didn't, I didn't want to hear him cry. I think, so I'm going to talk about ways of getting them to become better sleepers i think Uh, but now the third one i cannot control the noise uh you know we live in a house that is definitely not soundproof um and you know for the most part uh our third baby sleeps pretty well uh so i i don't know it's it's really hard to know what uh what causes a good or bad sleeper and how much control you really have on it I will say this though after reading many books and even taking like a sleep course and just lots of things you need to make sure and coaching a lot of my friends and moms around baby sleeping especially when you have this sleep regression you know i don't think I think it's important to be aware of these things, but to not obsess, because if you're anticipating this four month sleep regression, and then supposed to be an eighth month one and a sixth month one and a 12 month one, I mean, they're just constant as the baby's brain is growing, especially in that first year. If you're like on top of these regressions, you're going to make it true. It's going to happen. You're going to notice changes in sleeping. And it, when that becomes not useful for you and you're obsessing over it, you need to stop. But the one thing I will say that I've really, I don't think I really valued enough, and I don't think I really fully understood with baby number one versus, say, baby number three, is awake windows. A baby, and you can Google it, but I'll give you some ideas. A newborn baby cannot be awake for too long. That is the issue. You need to find that golden period where they are sleepy and ready for sleep. Just like you, if you go past that, two, overtired thing, you get wired. Overtired means wired, and the same with children, and obviously they need a lot more sleep than adults. They start off needing something like 16 to 18 hours of sleep a day, and gradually, over a few months, it's going to drop, you know? Now my daughter is eight months old, and I would probably say she sleeps maybe 14 hours a day, uh, and that kind of, um, you know, slowly will Will change, and then my four year old needs to sleep say 12 hours a day, my six year old needs to sleep 11 hours a day. So you can see gradually um, that we lose the hour here and there. But what I did very differently, I think, from the third baby was I was very aware of her sleeping cues. You know, that's the yawning, getting a bit fussy. She starts to like wriggle and talk to me. I would even notice that um, if I was nursing her in um, her room, I have a couch there so that I can sit, she would stop nursing and she would move her head towards her crib. And I don't know if I realized that for the first baby. She was indicating to me, and obviously that's when she's maybe a little bit older, but still a young age. I mean, five, six months old, maybe even younger than that. Um, Putting her down awake. And this was a concept that I really struggled with because I don't think I mastered this with the first one. But if you can teach or rather. If you can give your baby the opportunity to learn to self-soothe, it is going to be a game changer for you. Whether that's if you're sharing the bed with them, if that's in their own crib, if they can put themselves to sleep and therefore put themselves back to sleep, that is how you're going to get longer um sleep periods of time. Because the truth is, even as adults, we are sleeping in 90-minute cycles. Typically, babies are sleeping 40, 30 minutes, and then 45-minute cycles. We wake up briefly over those 90 minutes. And sometimes we don't realize that we are awake. So you'll, you'll wake up in the morning, you think you've slept through the night. But you have had brief moments where you've gone into a lighter sleep, you've woken up, and then gone back to sleep. Around about 90 minute sleep cycles. And it's important just to have very basic knowledge of like sleep physiology. But if you can teach that baby that when they get to that 45 minute sleep cycle, they, um, my daughter sucks on her thumb, and that honestly is a game changer. But if you used a pacifier or if there's some way that they, um, self-soothe, it's usually to suck on something. That's why they cry and that's why they want you to come in and that's why they want you to feed them. It's not necessarily because they need the food, it's because they want the sucking action. So depending on how you quote-unquote train them, you need to give them, is, is how they're going to respond with the sleeping. So you need to give them the opportunity when they are teeny tiny to learn how to put themselves to sleep so that you can avoid this extinction crying. Like at five months, we will do sleep training type of thing because I found at least for this baby, it was not necessary to do any of that kind of stuff. And we've never really done like hardcore sleep training, although my husband will argue that we kind of did a ferberized method, which is like gradual sleep training for our middle child. We were so desperate and so tired and it was just it was bad it was a bad situation all around I don't even remember half of the stuff, but I could not bring myself to do like hardcore sleep training like not stay in my house like i can't listen to my kids scream or my babies scream and not do something about it so um yeah we we that's maybe a story for another day, but with this baby because I think she's number three and I have other children to attend to and we were moving as all sorts of stuff. She slept in many different homes and places, uh, always kind of in her bed or some version of her little bassinet, but in very different homes, uh, when we were moving from New York to Austin and uh, we, yeah, it was a long, it was a long, like 10, 10, days to two weeks of us not sleeping in our house. Uh, you know, she, I just wasn't able to attend to every like little, like kind of grunt or you know squiggly sound and she was never full-on screaming um but she you know she would just kind of work her way into falling asleep and I think just by accident she now knows how to put herself to sleep and it is a game changer it is it has revolutionized my life to not be um you know still waking up this week is an exception but just be not waking up with an eight month old you know every two hours this whole time because I was that mom that had um especially my first child I feel like I, I mean I was still waking up with him at least once a night way past one years old and I would go to work like a zombie because even if I was only waking up once or maybe twice a night but then still having to wake up to go to work or like to do my life you know it's just not normal to be woken up out of sleep all the time when you're not ready to wake up naturally. And it really catches up with you. I remember after having my second child and then maybe when she got to like two or something and we were kind of better with the sleeping. I don't know. I can't remember. It's a blur, honestly. Um, I was like, wow, I haven't slept in like five years. <laughs> like I haven't slept properly in such a long time. I don't even know what it feels like. And it is so damaging. I would get so tired that I would forget words I didn't have vocabulary anymore and it's been a different experience with this baby I think because she well I know because she sleeps better from a younger age and um the other two sleep pretty well unless things you know things are wrong or something's happened but yeah so getting your baby to self-soothe super important controlling your vibes so like you know you're born to do this, getting help and support uh, to help you build confidence. You know, competence builds confidence. So, once you feel like you know a bit more what to do, if this is your first baby and you have an experience, you know, having a baby, uh, talking to moms, like talking to a mom coach, listening to a podcast like this, just immersing yourself, but not going crazy, but more with support necessarily with all the knowledge, whatever you need to make you feel better is important. And then, Um, the other thing I would say is, for a little baby at least, is you need to feed them as much as possible during the day. That's how I view it. So I tell all of my friends, all of my clients, who are often friends, uh, your child is like a cell phone. It needs to be charged during the day. And that's going to really help because you need to think about feeding baby within a 24-hour period. So the more milk that they can get, during the day or when you are awake, it can be, you can give them a dream feed if that's something that works for you. And if you don't know what a dream feed is, basically like feeding them, going in wake, sort of like rousing them a little bit at like 10 or 11 before you go to bed, feeding them like you're topping them up and Then putting them back to sleep, and usually you'll have like low resistance because they'll be able to drink. Um, I think, I think baby can drink all times of the night if you offer them more milk, uh, and then it'll be easy to put them back down because they'll be like basically 99% 95% asleep already, so that's good. And then that might buy you some time until the next morning, but if you can feed them as much as possible during the day that they're obviously willing to take that is really going to help you so you need to think about how much they need to eat within a 24-hour period now i personally don't measure this kind of thing i kind of go on instinct i know that's not for everybody um i always i would never deny my child food like milk so i will always let her drink as much as she wants obviously when you're doing bottles you'll have a much better idea of like how many ounces or mils a baby is drinking and you'll have a general idea and i'm sure you can look up guidelines for how much a five-month-old baby should be drinking uh, in a day and how much a six-month-old baby drinks in a day etc etc but making sure that they are fully fed as much as possible because true waking is for food if they're just waking for comfort, it's because they don't know how to self-soothe. And that's that's the trick, at least for me. It's like, how do you know when they're hungry and when they just can't put themselves back to sleep, when they can't link that sleep cycle? And if there's a way that you can provide them with an opportunity from young, like I'm talking like newborn. Uh, where they just like find their hands uh where they start sucking on their thumb um where they have a pacifier the the difficult thing with like a dummy or pacifier is like a little baby can't put that in their mouth so you want to make sure that you figure out a way to do that i know in the good old days my mom used to do this and like uh i don't know if it's commonly practiced here in the us because of like sleep safety um but they would uh thread like a muslin blanket or like it could be short like a like um, like a cloth diaper, a very thin one, just like a cotton, a piece of cotton through the dummy clip or through the pacifier clip, um, and the baby can kind of hug it, and then the the if they lose the dummy, they lose the passy, It's kind of like hovering right next to their mouth. Now I don't know if that is appropriate sleep safety, so it might not be something that is really widely practiced or promoted. You could probably do this for naps for sure, uh, because you can watch the baby and just have it right there next to them and make sure if if the material is like stiff enough, it's not going to cover their face or anything like that. But that's something you have to obviously use your common sense with. But if there's a way that they, and then as they get older, like there's ways that they can put the passy back in their mouth. Like Lots of parents like throw a whole bunch into the crib and the baby's just like scrounging around trying to find it. That's why Neve having her thumb is a pretty much, I mean, I don't know how I'll feel later in life if I'm trying to get her to break this habit of sucking her thumb, but the fact that she's found her thumb and she kind of did this all on her own uh, is really a blessing because it means that if she needs to go back to sleep, her hands are always there for her and she can just put a thumb in her mouth and she's not even like, she doesn't suck it while she's sleeping um, It sometimes, but yeah, it's it's really, really life-changing. So with sleep, to wrap this up, because this is kind of getting long. You know what? Whether they come out being good sleepers or we orchestrate the environment for them, you know, sound machines, uh darkened rooms, it's all about their wake windows, it's about the vibes mom is giving off, it's about feeding them as much as possible, and it's about them having a way to self-soothe. In my mind Assuming that everything else is okay, like they don't have reflux, uh they're not uncomfortable in some way, they're not an ill baby uh you know they should be okay. The other thing is I personally haven't used like swings and cars and things to put babies to sleep. You want them to be well, I like to have my baby sleeping in her crib if at all if at all possible. A lot of people use stroller walks, and if you need to use motion to get your baby to sleep, hey, it's better than them not sleeping. And if you need to walk around the neighborhood in a pram or something or in a stroller with them sleeping, that's fine. Uh, Whatever you need to do, but as long as it's sustainable for you and not to beat yourself up about the fact that your baby is not sleeping, because as my husband says, he thinks that there's nothing much you can do. You either get a good sleeper or you don't. And I feel like that's a bit of a defeatist attitude because if you're having a child that's struggling to sleep, quote unquote, in your opinion, which is like comparing a baby sleep to adult sleep, like you're expecting a baby to sleep eight hours without waking up, that's probably unrealistic for most babies, then, you know, you're going to have a miserable time. <laughs> so monitor your expectations. It is normal for a baby, a young baby to be waking up every 3 or 4 hours. Unfortunately, that is just the way it is. And and the other unfortunate thing is that society expects us to kind of continue as normal as if we have children that are sleeping through the night, and that is not always the case. So, whilst I do wish all of you the gift of beautiful sleep. If your baby is not sleeping through the night by the time you expect, which can be so different for so many children, take a nap. Nap when they're sleeping. Because they will sleep at some point, you know, whether they're sleeping more during the day or at night. And yes, there are things you can do uh, to help a little bit. But at the end of the day, these are these are people, these are little babies that will grow to be people and will have their own way of sleeping. And they might be, quote unquote, good sleepers and might be, quote unquote, not so great sleepers. If it helps you, these phases pass, they do gradually become I would, I want to say deeper, better sleepers as they get older. Again, it's also about habits. You know, I have many friends that have older children that sleep in their bed or come into their bed in the middle of the night. And, um, you know, that's, that's also like, but my children, for example, don't tend to really do that. And it really depends on how you've structured your nighttime routine, which I might go into in another podcast. So hang in there. I know the sleep deprivation is is probably one of the hardest parts of early parenting because without good sleep you are just a hot mess. Like I feel now I'm kind of tired and this episode is all over the place. So I hope I trust, I hope and I trust that you have got what you needed from it. I'm sorry if it's a little disorganized. Oh you know I'm just trying to put it out there and if I don't hit record and you know do this thing I won't do it. So I want to make sure that my experience of, of this kind of, of, of structuring my kids sleeping comes through, even if it's not perfectly polished in this episode. Um, but if you do have questions, please reach out. I'll be happy to talk to you, um, over Instagram or like DMs and things like that, or email, everything will be in the show notes. And I look forward to chatting to you again soon.